We just wanted to be one of those families that could foster healthy relationships as they grew through the trauma and through the stuff that they've been through, regardless if they stayed with us or not. I mean, from today to when we foster again, because we will, our plan was to foster teens when our biological children just got a little bit older, but our cards just fell differently. When we foster again, like we'll love them as soon as they come into our home and they're always welcome back. It doesn't matter if they stay with us or not. I don't know. It's just been always kids just don't deserve to go through everything. And and foster care is such a scary system to a lot of people because you hear a lot of stories and really all these kids need are love. Mm-hmm. That's literally all they need. Love and a safe place to either go through what they're going through and to go back home so that their parents can get through whatever they need to get through or they need mm-hmm. a safe forever home. They just need love and a safe place. Hello, I'm Jill Sutton, and welcome to Living Her Legacy, a podcast that features heart-to-heart conversations between mamas who are navigating everything that changes after having children. Right now, let's give ourselves grace to change, to let go of what no longer serves us, and unapologetically take up space. This knowing and owning our self-worth is the key to living a fulfilled life, our best life. Don't just leave a legacy. Live one. Hello, and welcome to Living Her Legacy podcast, episode number nine. Today, I'm blessed to talk with Kara McKenzie, a foster mama, an adoptive mama, and a to be bio mama. We discuss infertility as well as foster care and adoption. Kara has a huge heart and a beautiful story of how her family was formed. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. I would love to just start with a short introduction, maybe share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe anything else that you'd love to share. My name is Kara McKenzie. I'm married to my husband, Dustin, five years now. I'm a mom of a few different ways, foster mom, adoptive mom, bio mom, dog mom, but by no means an experienced mom. I just have a couple different titles there. (laughs) I work in senior living space. That's been basically my whole professional career and absolutely love it. I have a role where I have a flexible and remote schedule. So it blends well with my livelihood as a mom too. I would love to get into your story. I really feel like this is going to touch a lot of mamas out there, especially those that are struggling with infertility and then the options that you face and the decisions that you end up making. Our story is a wild one, but not so uncommon once you're familiar with the whole infertility world. I knew coming into my marriage that trying to start a family was going to be a struggle because of just a number of things that my body had been through. We were basically told from the start to go straight to IVF, but we chose not to. Super hard-headed. Over a three to five year span, we tried a bunch of different fertility treatments and nothing was working. And it took such a toll on my mental health. We, um, We lost three babies and that was hard. It was about a year and a half, two years into our journey. We decided that we were ready to go down the avenue of foster care. It was always going to be a part of our journey. It's something we talked about before getting married, just because both of our pasts have a connection to it. We went the route of foster care and that threw us for a loop. Becoming a parent for the first time to someone else's children and loving them like your own 
is so incredibly difficult, but we just had this love built up in our hearts and we were so ready to be parents and to love on kiddos and just provide for them. And it was the right option for us. And even though the journey was incredibly difficult, we would do it 10 times over for the kiddos that we have now and and for any kiddos that were to come into our home. But And then we're also, we just completed IVF and we're expecting our our first biological son. I can't tell you how it landed on me when I found out that your two children were initially in foster care and adopted by you and your husband. I think I just broke down in tears. Your daughter is in my daughter's class. And I've told you before, like she is just a delight. Like she lights up the room. She is so... so much energy, so excited whenever Arlo like enters the classroom and I just love it. And I had no idea. So I think finding out that's just such a beautiful story. And I was so surprised. I I really was. I had no idea. Most people don't. Basically how it all transpired is we had just finished our foster care classes. We were not supposed to be certified for like another two weeks. One of the social workers called me on the phone and she was like, hey, Kara, she starts rambling off this information about these two kiddos. And I'm like, whoa, Tina. (laughs) Hey, y'all, I wanted to interrupt real quick to let you know about a special deal I put together and is only open to the first five people that sign up. The deal includes one 60 second post read ad that will play during the first 10 minutes of a podcast episode like what I'm doing right now. Your ad will play twice a month for three consecutive months. If you are a business owner that provides an online service, if you're selling a product, if you're wanting to promote something, a book, etc., this is a great opportunity. Your ad will live on the podcast for eternity. This ad bundle costs only $100 and again is only for the first five people that sign up. When you sign up, type 100 on the form so I know it came from this ad. You can find the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. We're not even certified yet. Like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, we just have to do your reference checks and stuff. Like call Dustin, see if it's a good fit. And if it is, we'll move forward. Within three hours, we had kids that we just had no time to prepare for. But I said, we we were picking them up and everybody kept saying, they look so much like you guys. And I'm like, well, we didn't birth them. They have no genetics from us, but literally ever since they've been with us, we get it all the time that they look like us and we try to blend their life as much as possible so that most people don't know that they came from foster care. And honestly, we raise them that way too, because we never want them to think just because their stories started out extremely traumatic and there are a lot of trauma triggers that we overcome parenting them. We never want them to feel like that puts them at a disadvantage or it's who they are because it's so far from the truth. Maddie is a spitfire. I tell people all the time, like, she's going to be the president one day. Like, that girl is determined and fierce and so super hard to raise. <laughs> and then Blake is our our super chill one, but he's also all over the place sometimes, too. Yeah, we're blessed by them, for sure. They were attached from the hip from the start. They were... They're younger, but they're very much aware of their story. They were very much a part of the adoption. They know first mommy and daddy is what we call them. So I feel comfortable sharing because we've always just developed that transparency with them so that they never feel blindsided or like their story is a facade in any way. 
they came into foster care when Maddie was born and then were returned home after 13 months and were home for seven months. And then they came to us. So they've been with us ever since Maddie was 19 and Blake was three. So we're just about all they know, but they definitely still have quite a few memories and visits that we talk about, but they do have this same mom, different dads. You mentioned you knew foster care and adoption was always going to be a part of your lives together, you and your husband. That is really interesting because that's not the case for many, many people. And especially those who don't know about if they're going to have infertility issues. Do you mind sharing about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just speak for myself, not for Dustin, but for myself, I had an ex in high school that his brothers and sisters were removed from the home, four of them. It was just being on the, wasn't on the inside because obviously it was his immediate family, but we dated for several years. So I was very close to them and just seeing how the system worked and how difficult it is. And it's so hard because there's policies and procedures and rules and regulations. So the social workers are doing the best that they can. The bio family just wants their kids back. Like there's just so many dynamics. So I just saw it from a different perspective And I always had a heart for the kiddos that, because not all foster families are the greatest. I mean, it's no, it's not, it's not unheard of. We just wanted to be one of those families that could foster healthy relationships as they grew through the trauma and through the stuff that they've been through, regardless if they stayed with us or not. I mean, from today to when we foster again, because we will Our plan was to foster teens when our biological children just got a little bit older, but our cards just fell differently. When we foster again, like we'll love them as soon as they come into our home and they're always welcome back. It doesn't matter if they stay with us or not. I don't know. It's just been always, kids just don't deserve to go through everything. And and foster care is such a scary system to a lot of people because you hear a lot of stories and really all these kids need our love. Mm -hmm. That's literally all they need. Love and a safe place to either go through what they're going through and to go back home so that their parents can get through whatever they need to get through or they need Mm -hmm. a safe forever home. They just need love and a safe place. Was your intention always to foster to adopt or just to have an open home? Well, our plan was both. I mean, foster Mm -hmm. to adopt if a kiddo needed a forever home, which I say that now and it sounds so weird because there are kids, like it just doesn't feel like it would ever be anything different, but we would foster for as long as they needed us and then to go Mm -hmm. home. And then if they needed a, a forever home, we're good with that. I remember meeting Blake and Maddie's biological mom for the first time and just how heavy it felt. And even though there were reasons that they were removed, I just felt this, this depth of love for her that I was caring for her kids and that I wanted to see her succeed. I Mm -hmm. wanted to see Mm -hmm. her do the things that she needed to do. And I still talk to her to this day to try to navigate and foster their relationship as I can. Life is hard. And and sometimes people are born into a really hard life and that's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, There's a girl I actually have been following on Instagram and her name is Laura. Her Instagram handle is foster parenting, foster dot parenting. And I'll link it in our show notes in case anybody is curious, but 
I'm not a foster mom, but I actually use a lot of her advice for just parenting tips in general, but Mm -hmm. she is a wealth of knowledge on anybody that's interested in getting into foster care. She talks a lot about phone calls with social work, um, appearances in court, you know, being the kid's advocate and, and all the different situations that could come up with fostering. And so I really feel like I've learned a lot through her. So it is kind of fun to hear your story and how like you're doing it, you're walking through it. Now that baby brother is coming, what do the kids think about that? Are they super excited? They're thrilled. Maddie, she's kind of over the point where she's extremely disappointed that it's not a girl because she really wanted a baby sister. (laughs) She like, even after we told her that it was boy, she kept saying she, and she's like, so there's a baby girl in there too, right? (laughs) No, honey, (laughs) just, just a baby boy. But they're so excited. Maddie has started picking up her dolls more and just feeding them and kind of filling out that figure, which she's always been that way, but she's just gravitating towards it again. And Blake is super sweet. He'll come up to my belly and he's like, are you such a cute boy? Like he just does these weird little things. And I'm like, I love you, bud. Oh my goodness. That is going to be so fun. And I bet you're so excited. I am. We obviously waited for this for a really long time and it's been pregnancy after infertility is and, and loss is way harder than I thought it would be. Pregnancy in general has been hard for me. I've just had a lot of symptoms that I didn't even know were a thing and kind of hit me out of nowhere. But, you know, going through pregnancy after loss, you have this fear that kind of lingers. And, you know, I'm a believer and and I cling to that as much as possible, but it doesn't mean that I'm not human and these things don't creep up on me. So it's hard sometimes because I'm like, I just flabbergasted at the fact that there's a human growing in my belly. And some days I look at Dustin and I'm like, this baby's alive. Like (laughs) we're having a baby. It's crazy. So yeah, it's very, very exciting. Long awaited for. Pregnancy after a loss is you can have a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts, probably every appointment, you know, you just on edge. Um, Is there a negative narrative that you've battled with and maybe something that you're working on to try to flip the script? Parenting overall, it's just really, really hard. Making a decision for your kids in general that you have to think about, is this what's best for them? Is it going to hurt them? emotionally, developmentally, where do we stand on this? And just with infertility for so long, um, I stopped going with the what ifs and stopped going with the, we'll wait until this happens and then we'll do this. Like you just, you just have to do it. And it's all of parenting, all of life is trial and error. And it's, difficult enough as it is. And if you constantly think about the fear, you constantly think about, oh, this, this is the mistake that could happen. Like you just have to go with your gut and do what you think is best. Obviously for us, we, we think about it over a few days, pray about it, but like ultimately the fear can linger, but I feel like overall your gut will tell you what direction to go in. One thing I try to tell myself is God's got this. He knows what's going to happen. And all you need to do is just take a step, just take one step. And the direction becomes clearer, whether it's a no or a yes, <laughs> you just mm-hmm. have to keep walking, especially in parenting. We're all learning parenting, aren't we? <laughs> I love to learn. So I am like a perpetual student. I'm one that will like sign up for classes, you know, that people like put out because I want to know 
my new venture is around the table is eating, you know, healthy eating habits with my kids and not forcing them to eat certain things. It's one of those things that like, it feels foreign and this is something really new, but I'm going to try it. It doesn't have to be a forever thing. It can be for a period you know, or it can Mm -hmm. be until we decide, yeah, this is, wasn't the right thing. And then we switch to something new or whatever, but I often feel that fear holds us back so much from even trying. Mm -hmm. I applaud you for even things so monumental. And then you look back and you're like, that was such a small decision. Like it felt so big in the moment, but it was such a small decision. I agree. I remember when COVID hit, I lost my job and was home. And so I had to pull Arlo out of daycare and I was bawling. I was bawling my eyes out in the same thread of, am I doing what's right for her? Am I doing right by her? Is it going to be beneficial for her to be home? We can't really afford for her to be in daycare when I'm home, not working. (laughs) So it didn't make sense. But at the same time, you go through that thought process and, and you kind of you know, second guess everything. But then at, at one point you just have to, you have to take that step and just do it. I learned that I don't like being a stay at home mom. So <laughs> yeah, that's Damn. what I learned during that period of time. I love to yes. work. <laughs> yes. um, what does it mean to you to be living in your legacy? Living in my legacy is just complete transparency to myself. And I spent a lot of years trying to control a lot of outcomes and just It hurts because you think that just because you plan the outcome, it's going to happen. And so just being transparent with, hey, this is where we're at now and going with it. And we want to teach that to our kids too. Life is not going to go how we planned and it is what it is. And being transparent about where we're at. Hey, this is what we're feeling. This is what we're going through. It's not a bad thing. Everybody goes through life. Everybody goes through things that happen. It is what it is. For me, just living my legacy is complete transparency to myself over my feelings, my emotions, my physical health, mental health, emotional, like just all of it. And I am so far from perfect at it. (laughs) I still have things that I, I definitely struggle with, but just transparency with myself. That's great. I do think that trickles down to our kids. And actually, it's kind of funny you say that going back to the whole food thing that I'm working at, I actually like hold some people for advice on what to do at the table because my kids have this idea of the happy plate being an empty plate. And it's Mm -hmm. not something that we started in the home, but it is at the table all the time. I'm going to make a happy plate and they're super excited about it. People were saying their advice to me was me to say, I'm listening to my body today and my tummy is really hungry. So I'm going to eat my dinner And then Mm -hmm. as I'm getting full, I think my stomach is telling me I'm a little bit full, you know, and saying it out loud. And it sounds silly as a parent, but like Mm -mm. they need to hear it. And that's the judge of eating, you know, appropriately or a good amount and, and having them hear that being that example, being transparent with myself, saying it out loud for them Mm -hmm. to see, and they are going to mirror that behavior. So it's the same thing. If you're being honest with yourself in a gentle and kind way, (laughs) The yeah. kids see that. And I think that's healthy. Yeah. They most definitely do. And and we're going through that with Maddie. And then Blake is kind of a, a different thing. Like there's a kiddo at school. He's not a big kid. He's just, he's very tall and they call him the hungry bear. And he brings two snacks at daycare, which is cute. Like his body needs that food. So we're going through 
that with Maddie and then with Blake, like trying to teach him, it's not about how many different things that you eat, but it's about if you're having your protein, your veggie, your fruits, like what's fueling your body to make your body to feel full. So I totally get what you're saying (laughs) with that. I wish it were an easy transition, but you know, those years, those toddler years and pre-K kindergarten years, that's, that's tough. Food is a tough um, arena. <laughs> yeah, it is. If somebody were in your situation, maybe just kind of going through the beginning phases of infertility and looking into foster care, is there anything that you would want to say to them or encourage them with? What would you say? Mm-hmm. With? infertility and like going through fertility treatments is to a lot of people don't want to be, but if you are willing to be, to be open about your journey with others and just share where you're at, because the infertility community is so, so tight. I mean, you can find threads on Facebook, on Instagram, ask a question. And there's like so many different perspectives and it's a wealth of knowledge because like for us, we walked into the fertility clinic and they're like, you need to do IVF. And we're like, okay, well, that's a $30,000, $40,000 procedure. Can we take a step back here? <laughs> so I think just reaching out to people that have been through it um, or going through it to get their story and their input to help you navigate it. Because doctors are fantastic and they medically can tell you what's necessary and, and what your body is doing. But there's just something about the comfort of going through it with someone who's been through it. Anything that you would touch on with a foster care process? It's terrifying, (laughs) but if it's on your heart to do it anyways, we are no pros by any means at foster care or this adoption process. My only advice is if it's something that's on your heart to do it anyways, even if it does feel terrifying, because again, you'll do the foster care classes and there's a village of people that will stand with you through it and that you can message. Our social workers were phenomenal. Like I still talk to them to this day and they are backbones in some of the things that we go through parenting to talk us through some of it. So even if it's scary and you have reservations about it and it's incredibly difficult, it's probably going to be worth it. Can you explain the process of how to even get involved in foster care? For our area, I know there are, like Heartfelt Calling is one that we've looked into. There are local agencies that you can reach out to. And even if you sign up for the classes and never take a placement, it is an incredible perspective on foster care, what our community in foster care looks like, and just reaching out and do an an intro seminar or the classes, whatever you feel comfortable with. So there's local agencies, you go sign Mm -hmm. up, you can take classes. And then you said you were waiting for a certification process. So is that like, I know with like adoption, if you're looking just at adoption, they do like home visits and and things like that. Mm -hmm. Is that similar in in foster care? Yeah. So we did it back in Virginia. Um, So in Virginia, you do your intro call, then you do your classes, which are I'm not sure how long they are now, but for us, I think there were eight weeks and you do three home visits within that. And they'll look at like different stuff. Like, do you have a fire hydrant in your home? Is your home up to code with all these different things? And then 
They do reference checks on different family members, different uh, background checks, stuff like that. And then you kind of open up your home and it's a fit or it's not. Uh, You get a call and they'll tell you about the kids. And if it's a fit, you say, yeah. And sometimes it's not a fit and, and that's okay too. I really feel like that's something that like, I wouldn't even know where to start. So I think that's a good initial introduction to foster care process. Kara, I want to just thank you for showing up today and being authentically you. The most costly thing you can do is to be real. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great. It's great listening to your podcast just with uh, mamas who have different stories and hearing their perspectives and things that they go through in life. So I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining today. I would love to continue this conversation. If you have any questions or comments about foster care, adoption, infertility, please send me a DM on Instagram at Living Her Legacy Podcast. My mission is to encourage you in that whatever season you are in, you can live with purpose and fulfillment. I want every mama to feel empowered with the ability to create change in order to be living your best life. A wonderful, free, and easy way to support this podcast is to follow and subscribe. What that does for you is bookmarks this podcast at the top of your page, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will also update to show you the latest episode released. What that does for me is it gives me the chance to be ranked in the podcast charts. Please also leave a star rating or a review. Not only does this help boost the credibility of the podcast, it also helps new listeners get a better understanding of the show. Plus, it gives me feedback on how I can make the show more enjoyable for all of you. There is a chance that I may read your review on a future episode. As a reminder, new episodes will be posted every Thursday. If you're interested at all on being on the podcast, please check out jillgsutton.com slash podcast. I'd love to have you on the show. Your voice can change the world.